Hello Beach Boys fans! Um, some of you have been sending me links to stuff, which is great. Thank you very much. I try to uh, watch or listen or read uh, whatever you send me. And uh, Jamie uh, from London, hello Jamie, uh, he sent me some links to interviews on YouTube. And it was some stuff that I hadn't seen before and I thought some of the things were, there was some interesting things about them. So one of them was um, an interview with Lonnie Chaplin. And it was, I guess, a few years back, must have been fairly recently, but before the 50, uh, 50th anniversary thing, I guess, because he didn't ask, uh, he wasn't asked about that. Um, but this interview was, it was kind of interesting the way that I, I've always been kind of fascinated with uh, Blondie Chaplin. I think he's kind of uh, a very rare talent. And he's got, he had some sort of, I mean, uh, still, but with the Beach Boys, especially, uh, is what I know, obviously, so he had this kind of a power, uh, especially live, and, and I just think there was something special about him. And in his interview, um, there were a couple of things that were interesting because he talked a little bit about how he performed with the Beach Boys again uh, in the 90s a few times before Carl died, and he performed Sailor on Sailor uh, with the band, and he said it was during a period when Carl was uh, getting his chemotherapy, so he would sit down uh, during some of the songs. Uh, sometimes he would sit down singing, sometimes he would be standing up, but he wasn't. He didn't have a lot of uh, strength, and, um, and and apparently they kept in touch for the last uh, couple of years over the phone. The last couple of years of of Carl's life, and um, it seemed that. Well, Blondie had a lot of nice things to say about Carl, which isn't surprising, but, um, and so that was a bit interesting, and I was wondering a little bit if, if Blondie gets sick of everyone just asking him about the Beach Boys, because he's done a lot of other work, and, uh, I mean, I, that's, even though that's what I want to hear about as well, but even so, I felt a little bad for him in this interview in particular, it was really... Um, it made me think about how there are kind of two different ways of, of interviewing people and there are some, uh, a lot of people seem to have this kind of um, very limited way of, of interviewing someone. And this guy who was interviewing Blondie had, a, I felt, just such incredibly limited way of, of, of talking to somebody because he would just, I mean, he had Blondie Chaplin on the phone and he seemed to be interested in the Beach Boys, but he was he would just be asking questions like, all right, and then what happened? Mm -hmm. And then what happened? And what happened in 1974? And what did you do after that? And what year were you in Holland? And, you know, just those kinds of questions very rarely leads to anything interesting in an interview because it's just stating facts. And, you know, really, if we want to know which year Blondie left the Beach Boys, we can find that out. It's pretty easy to find those kinds of facts. So if you actually have him on the phone, why not ask something that will get him to talk or reflect or uh, at least to open the door for that. And I just think that that kind of way of interviewing, we're just asking, and then what happened? And is it true that this happened? You know, you're really only going to get kind of a yes or no answer with a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit more maybe, but it doesn't really ever, hardly ever, turn into an interesting conversation. It's just such a waste of, of interviewing someone. And uh, I just think it's, why not ask, you know, how he felt about something or how, you know, how he views his future or whatever, what he learned and uh, 
during the Beach Boys period or, or anything like that, when it's not just, and then in 1973, so-and-so. It's just not interesting. I just cannot understand that kind of interviewing technique. I mean, if it's that, if your mind is that limited, you, that you can't think of, you know, anything to ask, like, you know, again, like what their feeling or how their experience was in a certain context or anything like that. I just don't understand the point of arranging an interview and talking to someone that you're interested in and then just asking them to sort of state a couple of dates and facts and I don't know, I just, I just think that kind of that way of interviewing someone is so uninteresting. And um, so anyway, the other interview uh, that uh, Jane sent was uh, an interview with Dennis from 1976. It was a radio interview, which I hadn't heard before. And it was, it was really interesting. I have to say it was, uh, Dennis sounded very mm, sharp and sober. And he seemed very, um, he was, a lot more eloquent than I was expecting. Never heard him be eloquent before, but even more so, I felt, because he had that great, you know, I think he was an intelligent person, and he sort of combined that intelligence with uh, an emotional depth, which uh, sometimes uh, is surprising, even, sort of the way he looks at things. And he was talking about um, Brian having such a difficult time and how this interview is just when Brian started doing better and he was saying that he would uh, go over to Brian's house every day and just ask him how can I help you what can I do you know for you forget about the band forget about the career what can I do for you and uh, and he was just kept saying that you know like he would um, he said that he would give anything so he would give up his career and all the success they've had and everything if you know for Brian to be healthy and I thought and he said that very um, simply, you know, like it was just a state of fact. He wasn't trying to be, sound like how, what a noble brother I am, but he would just, he just seemed to mean it, um, which he probably didn't. And it's just, uh, I think that was kind of a, a nice little moment there. And um, they also talk about how Dennis says that, you know, he was worried that Brian would have permanent uh, damage from his, uh, alcohol abuse and, and mental problems and everything and that he was re would really be worried about Brian never being the same again and at this point 1976 he had hopes that he would be and uh, it just seems like he's so much more worried about Brian than he is about himself and just um, it's just so strange hearing him with that perspective at, at that time and then knowing what happened and, and um, 40 years later almost now Brian is still with us you know it's just and Dennis isn't, and it's just, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. And, and again, I just think he has that uh, ability to sort of, um, just to go deeper, and, and he has a, uh, had a perspective that is so interesting to hear, and I, I have to find, hope to find more of these uh, interviews. So I'll try to include the links and whatnot if I uh, remember it, <laughs> and uh, uh, keep sending me stuff that you find interesting. Um, talk soon. Bye.